The question is, are there, are there some mechanisms that are more effective in getting people to take that first step toward Invisalign therapy? Are there evidence-based techniques that work better? And the answer is absolutely there are, and we're going to learn them today. And I would venture to say that after this one-hour session that we are spending together, you will increase your Invisalign practice by 20%. I would guarantee it, but what does that mean? If I, okay, I guarantee it. Um, so when we talk about evidence-based, all the information that I'm giving to you today comes from me reading and rereading all of these books about motivation and persuasion. And just like there are right ways and wrong ways to do a filling or to do a composite, and we read them, and we go to continuing education lectures to know which mechanisms of dental treatment are more effective, these authors study and restudy motivational uh, techniques. If you want to read any one of these books, the king of it all is probably Dr. Robert Cialdini and his book Persuasion. And these are evidence-based ways that definitely work. So I'll go over these with you. I've tried these in my practice. I've gotten rid of some of the, of the things that didn't work well in a dental practice. And, I, and I've really fine-tooth combed the way these work in a, in a dental practice. And we'll go over that starting now. Before we even begin, the first and most important thing to do to increase your Invisalign practice is to make the diagnosis. That's your job. If somebody comes into you, to your office with crowded teeth or spaced teeth or buck teeth, it is your job to make the diagnosis of malocclusion disease. So make that diagnosis and recommend treatment. This is Fran. Fran is your patient. You're treating Fran. And you're treating Fran's sister, and you're treating Fran's kids, and you're treating Fran's neighbor. Fran is your patient. And Fran is 79 years old. And Fran has all of her teeth, all of her natural teeth. Her gums are in good condition doesn't have a lot of filling. She's doing a marvelous job. Her and you, her dentist, are doing a great job for this 79-year-old woman. And Fran came into my practice. I'm an orthodontist. And she said to me, her chief complaint was her crowded lower anterior teeth. And she told me how when she was flossing, and she flossed every night, and I believe her, that she noticed once that her teeth are getting crowded. And she said to me, Dr. David, don't you think my dentist should have said something to me? Ooh. Well, I knew her general dentist, and I was a colleague and a friend of mine. So what are you going to say? Don't you think he should have said something to me? So I said, well, I'm sure he was watching. I'm sure he probably would have mentioned it the next time you came. <laughs> she said, well, I saw this advertisement for Invisalign, and I asked him if I could get Invisalign. 
And Dr. David, do you know what he said to me? Yeah, what would be the worst thing that you can say to that 79-year-old? That's what it, you're too old. Why would you want to do that for at your age? So she said, Dr. David, am I too old for Invisalign? I said, Fran, we're going to be able to straighten you out in about six months. Are you going to be around for another six months? <laughs> and she said, yes, I suspect so. Then I said, then Fran, you're certainly a good candidate for Invisalign. And so I did, I did her with uh, Invisalign Express, and it took 10 aligners, so 20 weeks later, she's all straightened out. My feeder made a very reasonable fee. It was $2,500. I think that was fine for her, it was fine for me, 10 aligners, and I have a very, very happy patient. The moral of this story is, is if you're going to write anything down, if you're going to take any notes during this entire summit, write this down. Malocclusion is a disease. It is. Understand that. Malocclusion is a disease. Memorize it. And once you understand that malocclusion is a disease, then what you'll know, understand is it's your obligation, your responsibility, your duty, your job to diagnose malocclusion and recommend treatment. That's what you do. That's what people come into your chair for. Um, you might say, well, malocclusion isn't a disease. It's, it's, a, it's a condition. Or it's... No, it's a disease. And if you look up the definition of disease, atypical variation of structure and function. Malocclusion is a disease. Now, even if you, don't, even if you want to take it one step, no, I, not really a disease. Yes, it is. Because the World Health Organization, part of the United Nations, now, the um, United States is a, a part of the United Nations. We subscribe to it. You may agree or disagree with United Nations policies and some of the politics, but one good thing of the United Nations is the World Health Organization, and the United Nations World Health Organization has an international classification for disease. And under the international classification of disease, K07.13 says anomalies of tooth position, crowding, spacing, abnormal transposition, rotation and displacement. By every definition, malocclusion is a disease. So now let's go think about what we do in dentistry. What do we do? We diagnose disease and we treat disease. We improve aesthetics and we prevent disease. This is what we do. This is our job. And I'm, a, I'm an orthodontist. I, I don't do general dentistry, but I, I know a lot about it, and I went to dental school. And I know that when a patient comes into your chair, you are very thorough. And you go through and you say, okay, uh, tooth number seven has an occlusal, and this tooth has a, a, an amalgam that has to be redone, and this tooth has a pocket, and, and you chart it all down. That's what you do. You diagnose all of these things, and then you recommend treatment. I know this. And I knew, I know, going back to my first couple of days in dental school, tell me if I'm wrong on this. You all remember your first couple of days of dental hygiene school. 
when you go in and you take your explorer and you sharpen it till it's really, really sharp, and then you jam it into the central fossa of the first molar, and you say, I got a stick, I got a stick, and you're so pr I got a stick, I got a catch, right? Don't we still do that? Yeah. And we don't ignore that. See, just getting a catch, just a stick, you don't ignore it. You wouldn't think of it. You would, you would diagnose it. You, say, you got a catch or you got a stick, and then you would recommend treatment. And you, the recommendation of the treatment might be let's watch it or let's do a prophylactic odontotomy or let's do a sealant or let's do a filling, but you wouldn't just ignore it, right? Because that's what we do. And by the same token, if somebody comes in and they have mild, low anterior crowding, you don't just ignore it because that's your job. People are paying you money to sit in your chair, have you look at them, make a diagnosis, and recommend treatment. And why wouldn't you? It's your due diligence. We do it with everything else. We're very big on preventing, and we talk about fluorides and sealants and, and flossing, all this kind of stuff. Well, I got news for you. Mild crowding becomes major crowding, almost always. And a little mild overjet becomes a major overjet. And small spacing becomes large spacing. And that's part of the prevention of disease. This is your job. Why wouldn't you do it? And I suspect that if you start, you're not selling anything. You're not selling Invisalign. You're simply doing your job, your due diligence. It's the right thing to do. So when Fran comes to your office, or Fran's sister, or Fran's husband comes to your office, do the right thing and, and diagnose malocclusion disease where you see it. Treat it. Recommend treatment. Stop it from getting worse. Improve the person's life. All right. That being said, let's watch this 30-second uh, commercial for a bank. This is for a bank. And let's see what it has to do with us. Would you like a pony? Yeah. Would you like a pony? Yeah. Here you go. This is for you. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Well, you didn't say you could have a real one. Well, you didn't ask. Even kids know it's wrong to hold out on somebody. Why don't banks? We're Ally, a new bank that alerts you when your money can be working harder and earning more. It's just the right thing to do. So don't make your patients have to ask you. You do the right thing. You do the diagnosis. You recommend treatment. Why wouldn't you? So now, are there these ways? So, you, you know, so now you tell the patient, okay, you could benefit from Invisalign therapy. We should straight, you have malocclusion disease. We should straighten it out. And now the patient knows that. But they also know they should eat right and exercise Right, and, 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 they, and they know they should floss and brush their teeth, and they, they know all of this, and they should stop smoking, and they shouldn't text while they're... People know all these things, but it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to motivate them to get them to go in that direction that you want them to go. So the question, once again, is are there ways that you can do this? Is there anything you can do? Just you, you recommend Invisalign treatment, 
or any other treatment for that matter, but you recommend treatment, how do you get the patients to move in that direction? How do you get them to take the first step? What are, what are the ways that work as compared to ways that don't always work? And let's just watch this 22-second interview between Bob Woodward, you know, Woodward and Bernstein, the guys who opened up the whole Nixon thing, and Diane Sawyer. He's one of the brightest political commentators. This took place, remember the physical cliff, remember that, when Obama and the Congress and they couldn't get along and they had to come to some conclusion. And he was asking, she's asking Bob Woodward, you know, how did, how did, they, get, how did they get anywhere? How did Obama get a couple of these Republicans to come over and end this physical cliff thing? So let's just watch this. Do you really think still in this intensely polarized world that schmoozing and charming and calling and, and spending the night with your feet up changes the course of history? Yes, ma'am. So if schmoozing and charming and calling can change the course of history, can it change your practice? Absolutely. So let's go through exactly how we can schmooze, charm, and call our patients to motivate them to take the direction we want in straightening out your teeth. And, and one thing you might think about is let's educate them. Let's show them all these things. Let's get the models and the x-rays and all this kind of stuff because we're dentists and we're really smart and we're going to show them this. But one thing we know, that that doesn't work. The facts never work. It doesn't stop people to stop smoking. It doesn't get people to stop uh, eating and, and to lose weight. And it, that, that doesn't work. You know, we, have, we suffer the curse of knowledge. We look at these x-rays and these models, and, and they're so familiar to us. And we're going over this with the patients and showing them all this kind of stuff, trying to educate them. And they're looking at you and wondering what's going on. They don't understand what that x-ray looks like. They don't understand. They're thinking, how much is this going to cost me? How long is this going to take? And you're showing them all this kind of stuff. I didn't believe this when I first heard this, when I first read about this. I didn't believe it. So I made up a survey. And this survey was, it says Columbia University Panorex Survey. And I, was pictures of x-rays. And I asked my front desk to hand this out to the next 100 parents of children I'm doing conventional braces in. Now, on all of these parents, I had had a consultation where I showed them x-rays of their kids' teeth and all this kind of stuff. So now we're doing this survey. And here's like one. Which x-ray has an impacted third molar? And 57% of it got it right. So 43% of it got it wrong. They didn't recognize the impacted third molar. Which x-ray is more normal? It's so obvious to us, but they're looking at it. You could be showing them a, a map of Graz, Austria. It would have been the same. They had no clue. 36% thought, so two-thirds of people think an upside-down head is normal. <laughs> so this, it even's worse than that. I mean, you know, guys recognize this? And you might show this to your patients and explain how the margin is cracking over here or something like that. It gets worse. I had, my, I had my dental assistants take off their lab coats so they didn't look like dental assistants. 
and go across the street. You could do this at your office. I just Googled tooth with filling. Sent them across the street. There's a little shopping center. And had them walk up to people coming out of the stores and show them this picture and says, what is this? And yes, 23% of them recognized that it was a tooth or a tooth with a filling. But when shown this, 75%, three-quarters of people didn't even recognize it as a tooth or a filling. They thought it was a brain tumor, a rock, a piece of metal on some cream, a meteor, an old deflated balloon. Barb Sacosta says, Barb Sacosta says that features tell, benefits sell. And Barb Sacosta, they call him Billion Dollar Bob, because he made a billion dollars selling abdomizers on home shopping networks. So you know those abdomizer machines? So he says, well, you want to tell the features of the abdomizer machine. The features are that it's made of space-age plastic. It's unbreakable. You only use it for five minutes a day. It's easy to store. These are all features. But telling people the features isn't going to get them to, to, to move and to purchase it. You want to sell abdomizers, you tell the benefits. The benefits are you're going to get rock-hard abs, you're going to increase your metabolic rate, you're going to lose weight, you're going to be full of energy, and your sex life is going to improve. Now you're going to sell abdomizers. So what we have to do in, in our office is not, is don't, don't rely on features. Rely on benefits. Now, now, just hold that thought for a moment. And let's talk about the magic of the word because. The magic of the word because. This study was done at Stanford University during finals week. And what the study was, they had to wait until there were three or more people online to use the uh, Xerox machine. Then they had the student go up and use these exact words, excuse me, I have five pages, may I use the copy machine? How many times, what percentage of the times are they allowed to cut through the, to the head of the line? And it turns out 60% of the time. So 60% of the time they're allowed to cut in front of the line, 40% of the time they're not. Well, what if you change the words a little bit? What if you say, excuse me, I have five pages, May I use the copy machine because I'm in a rush? Oh, 94% of the time, they're allowed. So what happened is the people online, they heard, oh, because, they heard a request and then the reason for the request. So it went up. Because we're human, we're normal, we're nice, most of us. And somebody has a problem, we let them in. What if they change the wording around a little bit more like this? Excuse me, I have five pages. May I use the copy machine because I have to make some copies? <laughs> so they used the because, but they really didn't give any more information, but the compliance was nearly identical, 93%. And what the authors believe is that it's because we were all trained from childhood to because. And, you know, you're walking down the street with your mommy and you say, hey, mommy, can I have some candy? No. Why not? Because it's bad for your teeth. Mommy, can I have some popcorn? No. Why not? Because mommy said so. And then finally, 
Can I, can, can I have some soda? No. Why not? Because. <laughs> right? So we're trained for that. Our mind turns off once we hear the reason. So hold that thought for a moment. And let's go to the next. We're all charming. This is all just part of charming people. Now, now the next is, this is a Massachusetts uh, uh, construction company that wanted to sell people insulation. And half the time they called the people and they said, if you fully insulate, you'll save $2 a day. And the other half of the times they said, if you do not insulate, you'll lose $2 per day. Well, we're in Las Vegas. And we like to win. We love to win. But you know what? We really hate to lose. And loss instructions are far more powerful than gain instructions. Seven, they sold 17% more simply by framing it as a loss rather than a gain. So hold that thought in your mind for a moment. Let's move on. We all know that it's the right thing to do to give credit where credit is due. That's the right thing to do, right? Somebody does something nicely, you give them credit. But what about if you give credit where credit is not due? Like I say to you guys, hey, you are the best audience I've ever, ever had. <laughs> credit wasn't due there. You're not the same audience they always have. It makes you feel good for a moment, right? So giving credit where credit is not due is charming somebody. That's a beautiful dress you have on. She's not wearing a dress, so, you know, right? We do that all the time. Hold that thought, and let's move on. So, this people recognize. This is not a close-up of a tooth with a cavity, or it's not an x-ray, it's not a clincheck. This is something that people immediately recognize. But they don't see anything wrong with this particularly. Eh, I look okay. Then you show them this. And the bigger the picture is, the better is your presentation. So you want to show a nice occlusal view like this. On a, on a monitor is one thing, put it on a plasma would be better. In my office, we use a 10-foot screen of projection, almost this big. And here's the way we frame this. Here you are, it's very crowded down here. And we don't like this because as you probably already know, when your teeth are crooked like this, it's very difficult to get dental floss in there, or toothbrush bristles, and you're much more likely to get gingivitis or a cavity. So we frame it, we give the word because, we give credit where credit is not due, and we use it, we frame it in a loss. Um, and here we are on the side, and as you can see, your upper teeth are sticking out further than your lower. And we don't like this because, as you probably guessed, when your teeth are sticking out like that, not only does it not look good, but it's much more likely to be fractured in an accident. And by the way, the statistics will back me up on this. So what you want to do is you, wanna, you don't want to so much educate, you want to show the benefits of Invisalign or orthodontic therapy. Um, now next is you want to make the payments easy. So you're beginning to get these people to go in the right direction. Now how are you going to make the payments easy? Here's a show I'm sure many of you are watching, America's Got Talent. 
And if I asked you, what is the reward? Anybody who's watching America's Got Talent, what is the reward for the top act at the end? You get to go to Las Vegas and you receive a monetary award of how much? A million dollars. That's what they would have you believe. That's what they say. And sometimes one of the judges will ask a contestant, what will you do with a million dollars? And they'll answer the way they answer. And a million dollars is a lot of money. If, we want a, if I want a million dollars, I could buy a, a condominium at Trump Tower right down the block here. It'd be great. Right? A million dollars sounds like a lot. But the folks at NBC, the stockholders, said, oh, we can't give away a million dollars. That's a lot of money. We can't afford to give away a million dollars. Well, we want to say we can, but if you read the fine print, if you, if you digital record your, your, the TV show, right at the end flashes this. The prize, which totals a million dollars, is payable in a financial annuity over 40 years. What you're really winning is $25,000 a year for 40 years. But you hear a million. 25000 you couldn't get a trailer in the trailer park by, by the airport for $25,000. Most of the contestants who might win this won't live to collect. They're not going to live another 40 years. So it, it, they make it sound like, so we've got to use the opposite. So whatever your numbers are, your numbers are, but um, you go to buy a car, you don't, what does the car cost, $40,000? No, it doesn't cost $40,000. It costs $359 a month. Doesn't cost forty thousand. Forty thousand is a lot of money. It's three hundred fifty-four dollars a month. You're probably spending more on that uh, on your on your cell phone bill. So, you want to break it down nicely. So, one way I'm just showing you ways to do it. One way would be simply to say, okay, uh, four thousand dollars. It's two hundred dollars a month with an initial of sixteen hundred dollars. That's a good way. That's not bad. Spread it out. Make it. But again, let's learn from marketing people. Four thousand dollars sounds like a lot of money, doesn't it? 4,000, it's 3,995 isn't nearly as much. Um, so you want to bring it down to that. And then I would like the initial to be right under the 1,000. So here's another way of doing it. So 39.95, you pay me initially 9.95, and then 250 a month for 12 months. So it's, you just, how much is Invisalign? It's 250 a month for 12 months with a, a 9.95 down payment. Much more reasonable. And don't worry about it. You're going to get your money back. You're going to get your down payment because from the time that you have two months um, to pay Invisalign. So you're going to get $500 here plus the initial. So you're going to get $1,500 before it's due to Invisalign, right? And then you put it on your American Express card or something like that, and then you have another month. So you have three months. And if you do everything I'm telling you to do here, including diagnosing malocclusion disease, you're going to start getting back major rebates. I mean, every month I get back between six and $700 per case. And if you start starting one case a week, which everybody here could easily do if you diagnose malocclusion disease, you're going to start getting back about $500 a case. So your case cost is really only going to be about $1,000 or $1,100. So you'll really be able to implement this very easily in your practice, make it much more affordable and sound. It's only $250 a month uh, with a down payment of $995. And most people find that fairly easy to pay. And then, uh, or you could use one of these, Care Credit or Springstone, one of those. And then it's just $166 a month for 24 months. It's, um, they don't charge the patient any interest. You have to pay 10%. So I'll lose uh, 
$500, but that's okay because I'm, I'm gaining $4,000. Now, the next way is to get the staff involved. And I think the staff wants to get involved because the staff really can make a difference with Invisalign, more so than any other treatment that you do in, a, in your practice. Because the staff can participate in this person's healing process. Um, they take the records. They can, my hygienist placed the attachments. My dental assistants teach the patients how to put them on. And my dental assistants do the primary monitoring. You know, when the patient comes in, they say, please put on your next aligner. And they evaluate whether or not they think the aligner is fitting well before they call me over. Then they dispense the next three sets of aligners and write the date on it. So they do more in the treatment of my patients than they do in my conventional stainless steel brackets and wire program. So they really like it. But the reason why my staff really, really likes it is because I give them an incentive. Now, when I first started, I said to my staff, I'll tell you what, for every Invisalign patient I start, I'm going to put $50 in the pot. And at the end of the quarter, whatever I have in the pot, I'll split up among my staff. Oh, they really like that. And they began to really push Invisalign. They really didn't. At the end of the, whatever it was, at the end of the quarter, I have a couple thousand dollars in the pot from however many patients I start, and they all get their portion. But last time, I said to my staff, I want 100 Invisalign patients this, this quarter. And if we start 100 Invisalign patients, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you one week's salary and take you all to Las Vegas. And there's half of my staff, or some of my staff. You want to stand up and say Hello. No, they don't. They're shy. Stay there, then. Nobody wants to see you anyway. And it really works, because what happens is, when I say that to them, you see, then you get a new patient on the phone, and they make an appointment, and then my staff looks at the appointment book, make sure they come in, make sure they come in. And when they come in, they say to my treatment coordinator, the person who takes the person's records, did you really treat her nicely? Did you tell how great Dr. David is? Did you do all of this kind of stuff? And then when they, they leave, they say to somebody else, did you call her up, make sure she wants to come in? Did she make an appointment? Did she come in today? All of that. So the staff really activates the patient process. Get them involved. So, so I started 100 Invisalign patients, and I had to give my staff, my, my, it came to cost me about $22,000. Uh, I gave them all a one-week salary. It cost me $22,000. So you're going to say, you're crazy. You spent $22,000. <laughs> yeah. Well, I started 100 patients, and I made $500,000. So that was a good investment. Now my staff is over there. They want to raise. Well, could you dentists please tell them that, you know, I have the phone bill and the taxes and all that kind of stuff also? It's not pure money. All right? Let's move on. Now, what you really want to do is you want to wow your patients. You want, look, everybody in this room is a terrific dentist. I'm sure of it. We're all good dentists. This is what we do. We're all good dentists. And I'll bet you that all of our patients like us. I'll bet you that anybody sitting in this room, if we pick out a random patient that you have and somebody asks that patient, could you recommend a dentist to me, they would absolutely give your name. Absolutely. But that's not what's going to make you start more Invisalign patients. What you've got to do is you've got to wow these people. You've got to charm and schmooze and call them. You've got to get them so that when somebody doesn't, they're out to lunch with a friend of theirs, or they're out to dinner, or they're out to the movies, they, they got to say that, you got to listen to what happened to me at this dentist's office. You got to hear how this dentist treats me. You got to make them bring it up. And the easiest way to do it is your new patients. Your new patients are, 
far more likely, 36% more likely to refer somebody to than is a patient that's been on record for more than 18 months. It's like when you go to a restaurant, you go to a really good restaurant, you get good service, good food, uh, it's impeccable decor. The next time you're with one of your best friends, you're going to say, you know, you're not going to believe this restaurant I went to. It was really terrific. The food was good, everything was good, everything was great. And they're going to bring that up. But after, after you've been to that same restaurant six or seven or eight times, are you likely to still bring, even though the, the food is just as good, you're not going to bring it up. If somebody says, can you recommend a good restaurant, you might very well tell them about that restaurant. But it's not fresh and new and exciting anymore. So you want to really wow your new patient. So let's talk about how you can do that. What we do in my office based upon the evidence that I've seen. The first is you want to get them in within a week, 10 days at the most. Imperative. You don't get them in within a week or 10 days. They're going to Google somebody else. They're going to go somewhere else. You want to get them in. So I said that at a staff meeting, and then my uh, Jean, my head secretary, goes to me and says, she's not here. <laughs> I see you're looking at my staff. Jean's not here. Um, she says to me, you know, David, sometimes patients are, 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 are very finicky and, and they're not flexible at all. And sometimes you just can't get them in within seven to ten days. So I said, no, I want to see them within seven to ten days. Well, sometimes you can't. I said, anytime you have that problem, you bring them to me. I'll, I'll speak to them on the phone. And I very rarely speak to patients on the phone. So she says, you'll speak. I said, yes, I will. So sure enough, a week or whatever, a couple of days later, Jean comes up, Dr. David, this person is being very uncooperative and I can't get her in and, you know, she's really not being cooperative. And you said, and I said, okay, sure. Let me speak to her. Pick up the phone, hello, Miss Smith. Yeah. When would you like to come in? So she goes, tomorrow at 2 o'clock. I say, I'll see you then. That was easy. Easiest <laughs> thing I ever did. I hung up, called up the front desk. I said, she's coming in tomorrow at 2 o'clock. They said, there's no room for her. I said, make room. It's $5,280. Make room. Now, do you think Gene ever came to me again after that? No. You make room. I want to see him right away. Next, you've got to send him an office pack. You send something out that day. So we send out an envelope, and in it we have an, our office brochure and an Invisalign brochure and some medical forms to fill out. And, and a welcome to our practice letter. You know, a form letter that says, Dear Mrs. Smith, thank you for making an appointment at our office. We'll see you on July 12th at, at 2 o'clock, or whatever it is. Fine, whatever it is. And, and that goes in there. But let's stop and talk about this other survey. This was a survey that was done in Florida. It was allegedly sent out by the, some company that was surveying the people on the quality of their water supply. And I was asking questions such as, you know, uh, is your water, does your water have any unpleasant flavor, any unpleasant odor, any unpleasant, are there any, any dissolved solids in it? You know, does, is it clear? Is it clean? Asking all kinds of questions. But they weren't interested in the answer. All they were interested in seeing is how many people would send the survey back. So when they sent just the survey with a, a typical cover letter and a self-addressed stamped envelope, they got a return rate of 36% which is average for a survey that is sent out with a self-addressed stamped envelope. Well, what about if on the cover letter you write a little handwritten note, please fill out this survey, it's important. Little handwritten note, and then the response rate goes up to 48%. What if instead of that, you put a little yellow sticker on it? A little yellow sticky note, and write, 
please return the survey. It's important. The return rate goes up to 75%. And what the authors said is that probably the reason they think this happens is something clicks in the mind that you're not used to seeing a yellow sticky note in a letter that's sent to you. And, and it makes it stand out. There's something unusual about that. And that, that somebody took time to handwrite that and put it on there. And they did that for me. They did that for me. So I must be important because they did that for me. Uh, they followed up this survey. They, they sent the people who sent the uh, letters back and they asked, did, it did the yellow sticky note have anything to do with you returning the survey? And they all said, no, it didn't. But nevertheless, 75% of them did. So it's something in the subconscious that happens. So how are we going to use that to charm schmooze our patients? And in that cover letter, in that cover letter that goes out, we are looking forward to seeing you, Danielle. It's a little... It costs two cents. That's all it costs, two cents for a sticky note, and hardly any time. But it gets the person to say, wow, they did that for me, for me. They took the time to do that for me. Um, just charming. It's all you're doing. Um, so that goes out. And then the confirmation call. Two to three days before then, Somebody from my office calls up to confirm. I'm sure you do a similar thing to that. You know, hi, we're calling up just wanting to make sure we're looking forward to seeing you. That happens two to three days before. But then every night, my office faxes to my home fax machine a list of all of my new patients who are coming in the next day. And I call them. I get on the phone, I say, hello, this is Dr. David Ostreicher. I'd like to speak to Mr. or Mrs. Smith, please. I'd like to speak to Mrs. Smith. And they, hello? And I said, Mrs. Smith, this is Dr. David Ostreicher calling. I am calling to introduce myself to you before we meet tomorrow for your Invisalign consultation. And what do you think their response is? You just pause. Most of the time, they're flabbergasted. What? Now, no doctor's ever called me before. That's really nice of you. Yes, well, I'm calling to find out if you have any questions you might want to answer before we meet tomorrow. And now you start listening. You're going to find out all kinds of information from this person. You might find out who referred them. Oh, I went to this other dentist, and he, he was much too expensive. He wanted $6,000. Well, now my fee is $5,000. Good, thank you. Right? <laughs> you get all kinds of information. So you already are building up a rapport, a relationship with this person before you ever meet them. Right? Um, and, and the only rule is, don't ever say just. Don't say, I'm just calling to introduce myself. Don't do that, because then you're minimizing the importance of your call. You're not doing it just for that. You're doing it to get all the information you possibly can to develop some sort of relationship with this person before you even meet them. Then, when they come into your office, 20% of them or so will say to you, gee, that was so nice of you to call last night. A doctor's never done that before. And then what's the proper response? Well, if you ask Dr. Cialdini, the guy I said was the master of persuasion, the worst thing you could say is just thank you. What Dr. Cialdini says is never miss an opportunity. So if somebody says on something like that, a personal nature, thank you, that was so nice of you to call, 
Your answer should be, if the situation was reversed, I'm sure you would do the same. Because now you're giving that person a compliment for something they've never even done. Right? If the situation was reversed, I'm sure you would do the same. You can't always answer uh, a thank you that way. Let's say somebody's thanking you. Gee, gee, doctor, my teeth look so good. Thank you. You did a great job. You can't say I'm sure if the situation was reversed. You would... <laughs> It would make sense. No, but this is your best opportunity ever to ask for a referral. Now's your time to say, oh, refer people to me. But you don't want to say it. You've got to say it the right way. And Dr. Cialdini's way of saying it, and he says the only, the, there's only one right response. And the one right response is, you're welcome. Please don't keep us a secret. Please don't keep us a secret. And that would be a good opportunity to hand out a couple of business cards. Here, if you want a couple of my cards, please take them. So we always have them ready to go. So that's the thank you response. Let's move on. When a new patient comes to our office for the first visit, we always give them a gift. We give them something. Thank you so much for taking your time and visiting us today. I know how valuable your time is. And we give them something, a little gift. It's the universal law of, of reciprocation. I give you something, you're going to feel like you owe me a little bit. Maybe you're going to start. Maybe you're going to listen to me a little bit better. Then, at the end of the day, I write little postcards. It cost me 35 cents or 33 cents or something like that. I write a postcard. It was nice meeting you. I look forward to giving you an excellent Invisalign treatment. They haven't started. They said, I'm going to think about it. But every single new patient gets a postcard. So what happens here is before we even began, look what I've done to schmooze this patient. Look at everything I've done for them before I even meet them. And it costs me pennies, pennies, and not much time. Then, once they begin, they're going to get our, what we call a contract letter, a little letter that says, you know, thank you so much for choosing me as your orthodontist. We're going to begin your Invisalign treatment. It's going to take a year. It's going to cost whatever it costs, and, you know, it's important to keep your appointments and, and all this other kind of stuff, whatever you have in your letter. But they're up there because I am the king of yellow sticky notes. I look forward to giving you a great smile, DSO, because I'm the king of yellow sticky notes. Next, learn how to say thank you. It's good manners. I can't believe how many people don't know how to say thank you. I'm an orthodontist. And mostly, I, I get a lot of patients referred to me by general dentists. But I refer a lot of patients out to oral surgeons to have bicuspids removed or third molars removed. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've never gotten a thank you note for an oral surgeon. Never. I refer out to periodontists. I don't get thank you notes for them. I refer out to general dentists occasionally. I sometimes get a thank you note that says, Dear Dr. Blank, and they put in Ostriker, Thank you so much for referring blank, and they put in Mary Smith. We will give her very personal attention. Yeah, that doesn't sound like it to me. I mean, that's just good manners, right? Thank you notes. So everybody, at the end of the week, they fax to me at the, every Saturday, and I sit down. How long does this take me? It takes me 15 minutes on Sunday morning. I sit down with a cup of coffee, and I write all my thank you notes. Very simple, thank you so much for referring so-and-so to us. I really appreciate it, David Ostriker. And that goes out every, every Monday morning. Those go out. 
And then we call the florist, and everybody sends us a, a patient. I made a deal with the florist. The florist delivers the flowers. It cost me $13.50 each. That was the deal I made with the florist. They all get, they all get flowers, even the boys. At first, I didn't know what to do if a man referred people to us. But now, because we're so, I don't know, whatever, I send them flowers. He likes it. <laughs> I don't know what they do with it. I think they give it to their girlfriends or their wives or something. I don't know. Um, I had a patient. Again, a kid, I'm treating with stainless steel brackets and bat wires, a little 12-year-old kid or something like that. And his mom comes in to talk to me, and she's a very attractive blonde woman, beautiful hair, you could tell. And she spends time and money on her hair. But she's talking to me, and her teeth are sticking out like this. She's spaced. And, I'm, and she's talking to me. I'm not hearing a word she's saying. I'm just focusing on how stupid she looks with those teeth sticking out there like that. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and as soon as she leaves, I go to my front desk, I go to my office, I pick up the intercom, I call the front desk. I say, could somebody say something to Billy's mom about her teeth? Now remember, this is not a patient of record. It's not my job to diagnose disease on somebody who's not, you know, I don't walk down the street and point out, you got malocclusion disease. I don't do that. <laughs> so she's not a patient of record, so it, it's not right that I do that. So, so Jean says she can't do that. So I came out with a really cool way. So now... I have in my office, by the way, all the stuff I'm showing you, this is a website I put up, megapractice.com. You can download all of this stuff, all the stuff I'm showing you. Um, but this is my, it's called the Align Technology Survey. You know, it made it sound like very official. And, and it says here, are you happy with your teeth, yes or no? And 50% of the people choose no. And it says, what, what's your main concern? Is it crowded? Is it space? Is it buck teeth? And number three, are you familiar with the name, uh, brand name Invisalign? Yes or no? And so this is, a, would you, so now we go, Mrs. Smith, would you mind filling out this survey for us? Isn't that much better than saying you have crooked teeth and we have to straighten them out? So, you know, you could use this in your practice as well because when your patients come, they're bringing their wife or their husband or their cousin and somebody sitting in the reception room or you might have diagnosed malocclusion disease once before and, and they'll see this. Uh, another tool that we use is every spring, starting March 22nd till June 22nd, we have our Invisalign Spring Family Study. And that, uh, what this entitles you to is $500 off if we're treating anybody in your family for anything. So if anybody in your family is, is one of our patients, we will give you $500 off to be in this study. Well, what does the study mean? It means I get to take pictures of you and share it with other doctors. Whether you ever share it with another doctor or not is up to you. But everybody, they love this. Every, every, every spring, I must start, I would say, between 15 and 20 Invisalign patients that I wouldn't have started otherwise because I just put that study out there. And it makes people think, and it, and it puts a time limit on it. It makes them act. It calls them into action. Um, now, wouldn't it be nice to have a billboard of your practice in somebody else's house? Right? Wouldn't that be nice to put up your little your logo or your... So we do that. We advertise in your practice, and, and we make up these little cards. Remember, when you're not wearing your liner, keep it in your case. And here's another one I made up. Wear your retainer. Once we finish treating patients, wear your retainer every night to avoid relapse. And so I print these up on my laser jet printer. There are two up, you know, one on, you know, two of them, and I cut them in half. So each one costs me about two and a half cents. So I give these to the patients, and on the back we put a little dot of sticky glue, a, a, a glue dot it's called. Well, they just put this up on your refrigerator or on your bulletin board. Now I'm well aware, I'm well aware that 
80% of the people I give this to are going to throw it in the garbage. I'm well aware of that. But 20% are actually going to put it up on their refrigerator or on their bulletin board, thus advertising my services to their friends and neighbors who come into the house. And that's okay with me. But so I used this for a while. Then I came, then in, in my readings, I came across this study. This was done at Malloy uh, College. And, and they brought out these two things. They said to the college students, which one of these is more accurate? Caution and measure will win you riches, or caution and measure will win you treasure. These are, this is an old saying. And they showed this to the college students. And they said, well, gee, caution and measure will win you treasures is certainly more accurate. OK, what sobriety conceals, alcohol reveals, or what sobriety conceals, alcohol unmasks. And they all said that uh, what society conceals, alcohol reveals is, is more accurate. Then, on the follow-up question, did the fact that this rhyme have anything to do with you choosing it is more accurate? And they said that rhyming was in no way an indicator of accuracy. But it just so happens that the rhyming sentences were more accurate, even though they said the exact same thing. So I redid my placards. And now I have, I, I, I followed all of these things. You know, remember loose lips sink ships? It's not a coincidence that it rhymes. They made it rhyme on purpose. What about click it or ticket? Or the newest one from the National, uh, Safety, National Transportation Safety is stop the text, stop the wrecks. And the most famous rhyme of all actually kept a man out of prison until he got in trouble again right here in Las Vegas. <laughs> and the most famous rhyme of all is, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Johnny Cochran and O.J. Simpson. What was that, about 20 years ago? So I redid my placards in a way that I thought the patients might appreciate them more. In your face or in your case. <laughs> I, 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 when I hand it to them, I say, it's in your face or in your case, and I, I take it one step further. Or you'll lose it and be a disgrace. And I redid, wear your retainer, it's a no-brainer. And you can download these. They're in Microsoft Word format, so you can easily use them. And then finally, I don't want patients to come to me with surprises. I had a patient, 30-year-old male, finance guy, and he, we always put our attachments on on visit number three. So when he came in on visit number three, he starts up, you never told me about the attachments. You know, and I said, ah, oh, come on, Billy, of course I did. We tell everybody about attachments. He goes, well, you never told me. And then I, I, I have to pull out my, you know, the informed consent you have everybody sign, you know, so the Invisalign, where it says, like, number two is attachments. And he goes, look, doc, I'm not getting all legal on you. I just wish you would have told me. So then I made up the three A's, the four A's, I'm sorry, the four A's of Invisalign. Um, and, and every patient gets this, and they sign something that they got it. it and it's as clear as anything. You get a lot. I, I wanted it to have four A's, which is uh, aligners, attachments, or auxiliaries, but then refinement didn't have an S. So I didn't want to say three A's and an R, so I, I said additional aligners instead of refinement, because <laughs> three A's and an R doesn't do it. Um, and I give all of my patients this again, 
and it has the little sticky thing on it, and I'm sure some of them hang it up on their mirrors or they do whatever they want, but nobody ever argues with me. Did I, what, did I make myself clear about the attachments, about the auxiliaries, in case I want to use buttons and elastics, um, and about additional liners? You want patients to know from the very beginning that, you know, just because you, you know, don't do the math in your head, you say, just because it says, you know, 27 aligners doesn't mean you're going to be done, you know, in exactly a year and a, and a week or whatever it is. You know, very often you're going to need refinement aligners at the end. That's part of the process. So let them know that as well. Um, we are coming to the end. Um, so I, I believe that if you utilize these, there's no doubt, especially if you, if you understand and accept that malocclusion is a disease and you diagnose patients who have mild disease, as we do, and you diagnose somebody who has this malocclusion, I, I think there's no doubt if you use, if you employ these techniques I showed you that are all evidence-based, your Invisalign starts, your cooperation, your referrals will go up 20%. There's no doubt. And it costs you nothing but some time. It costs a couple of pennies for a postcard and, 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 and a yellow sticky note. If you want to get better at doing clear line of therapy, you come to these meetings, you'll get better. I would also suggest you join the American Academy of Cosmetic Orthodontists. I'm a member of it. It is primarily um, for general practitioners, although it's open to dentists of, of all nature. And you might want to think about joining that. So what are you going to do on Monday? A quick review is first, diagnose malocclusion disease. That's your job. That's your obligation to your patient. There's no reason not to. Number two is make those introduction calls. Hello, I am calling to introduce myself to you. Are there any questions you might have? Use the yellow sticky notes because they work, because they make people think that they're important. Say because, because, because works. Send thank you notes because it's good manners and it helps you to charm your patients. Make payments easier because more patients will start. They will. Uh, emphasize benefits, not features, because features tell, but benefits sell. And finally, empower and incentivize your staff. So, before you go, one question. Did you get at least one tip today that will change the nature of your practice? Yes. Then you spent your time here well. Thank you.